Open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs, the third chapter. Again, good to see everyone this evening. Appreciate everyone being here and coming out to be encouraged by these songs of praise and these prayers and this message from God's Word. Appreciate this time that we can spend together at the close of this Lord's Day. We have been studying the Proverbs in this series of lessons, and um, last week we had our singing, so two weeks ago was our, actually our last time we uh, discussed the Proverbs, and the last time we considered uh, two aspects of wisdom that we find here early on uh, in the Proverbs, and one of those from chapter 1 was uh, to heed the warning of wisdom. We get that there from chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. And then in chapter 2, Proverbs there tell us to seek out wisdom. Wisdom needs to be sought out. And it is a worthwhile endeavor to seek out wisdom. And tonight we'll finish up this early discussion on wisdom by looking at what chapter 3 has to say about wisdom. And we'll see how someone then can reap the benefits of wisdom. So if wisdom um, is first to be heeded, heeding the warning of wisdom, and then seek it out, then chapter 3 tells us uh, some of the benefits uh, of, of that wisdom. So that's what we'll look at tonight. And we'll begin by looking at um, the six benefits that are mentioned here in the first 12 verses. So if we look here in verses uh, 1 and 2 of Proverbs 3, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. The first benefit we run into here when we um, start looking at this is is the benefit of a long and peaceful life. And one of the ways that comes about, and some of our younger Members in the audience um, may or may not like to hear this. But that comes about by listening to your parents. It says there in verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching. You know, our parents have our best interest in mind. And so, as parents, we're looking out for them. We want to give them the knowledge and, and the teachings that will help them in their life. And hopefully, teachings that will help them to live a long and peaceful life. So children, listen to your parents. They have your best interests in mind. Paul, Paul uses similar language over in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3, there is where he talks about children, obey your parents. Um, for this is right, honor your mother and father, which is the commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Very similar to what the proverb here is saying, is that there's a relationship there of parent and child, and they have your best interest in mind. And if they're seeking out godly wisdom and imparting that to you, then that will be a benefit to you. A long and peaceful life. Our physical health is important, but our mental, our spiritual health is important as well. You know, our paying attention to the advice of our parents can help us live that long and hopefully prosperous life um, that God would have us to live in peace. The next thing we, we see here from verses 3 and 4 is that uh, the benefit of, of a good reputation. In verse 3 it says, Do not let kindness or truth leave you. 
but bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. You know, being kind and truthful in this life will help you find favor with God and with man. Matthew 5 and verse 5 there, that familiar verse there that says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That word meek also is rendered gentle or humble. So blessed is the gentle, blessed is the humble, blessed is the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, being a good reputation um, will go a long way in your life. On in verse 37 um, of Matthew 5, it says, But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, and anything else beyond these is evil. So having a good reputation, being truthful, uh, when Jesus gives the, the advice there, be true to your word. If you say yes, then it's yes. If you say no, then it's no. Anything else, what Jesus says there is evil. Be true to your word, and it'll serve you well in, in life. No one, no one likes a liar. We, we know that. From early on in our lives and, and, and right on through, we don't like people to lie to us. God doesn't like liars either. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, they're mentioned as part of those who will be cast into the lake of fire. God has no tolerance, no patience for liars, and neither should we. But seeking out wisdom will keep you from that, help you to be truthful in your life. Seeking out wisdom can also help you in being successful in life. In verses 5 and 6 here, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You know, success in life is, is a funny thing, and it's a fickle thing. But trusting in God will result in success. It may not be the, the, the measure that you might deem it, but if you're putting God first and trusting in him, not relying on self, then you will have success in your life. The Proverbs tell us that. Trusting in his knowledge, trusting in the faith that he has towards you, and you towards him, and not putting, uh, not being wise in your own estimation. Not relying on self, but rather on God. On, on, on God. And this is not arguing to, to, to sit around and do nothing. We have plenty of scriptures that tell us uh, the opposite of that. This is not arguing to that, but rather it's putting um, every other thing in our life second to serving God. And if we'll do that, we'll enter into that right relationship that he wants to have with us. James 4, verses uh, 13 through 16 there speak of, uh, of how we should say, if the Lord wills, we will go do this or that and make a profit. You know, it's not approaching it from the idea of this is what we're going to do. We're going to go here, we're going to live, we're going to make money. James says, put God first in that. By saying, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that and make a profit. Putting God first. It's also beneficial in our health. Wisdom is beneficial in our health. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body. And refreshment to your bones. Isn't that an interesting thing to think about? About wisdom. 
and the effects that it have on your, on your physical life. And again, this comes first from putting him first, relying on him. And this is a healthy lifestyle. In Matthew 7 and verse 25, it says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, not for your body as to what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? That passage there is talk, Jesus is talking about when we're anxious for things, we're really out of touch with, with what God's will is for us. It goes on to talk about the lilies of the, of the field and the grasses and how God takes care of them. Don't you think he's going to take care of you? Absolutely. And this is a healthy lifestyle to be living in that relationship with God. A worldly life exposes us uh, to the risk of the world. If we're not putting God first, then we're, we're putting ourselves at risk. Engaging in worldly and sinful things. It puts us at risk to STDs and to cancer from smoking. And to diseases and accidents from, from too much drinking. Driving drunk and the, the, having an accident and the diseases that follow that. All those things are because we're living a worldly life. Not putting God first. Indulging in those things that are harmful to our bodies. We're to come away from that. Those things that have no part in a Christian's life. Wisdom can make you prosperous. Look here in verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Setting aside the best for God will ensure that he has the best care for you. Use this example before, and it makes a good example in this situation. Where do you put your giving back to God? Do you put it after taxes, or do you put it before taxes? Do you pay everybody else first, and then pay your offering for the week with what you have left over? Or are you putting God first? You know, from the Old Testament, from the law of Moses, the sacrifices that were offered were, were to come from the firstborn, the first fruits. And it made mention of that here in verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. God expects our best. And setting aside the best for God will ensure, like I said, His best care for you. Honor from your wealth, uh, um, first of your produce. Matthew 6 and verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. Putting God first ensures that he will in turn bless us in abundant ways. So are we bringing him the first fruits that he requires? last part of this, verses 11 and 12, we need to accept his discipline. Look there at verse 11. It says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. The discipline of the Lord comes from love. Just like a father's discipline to their child. It doesn't come out of hatred it doesn't come out of 
um, a, a disrespect, but it comes out of respect and love for their children. That's where discipline comes from. And that's how our fathers, our heavenly fathers discipline. It comes from a position of love. In Hebrews 12 there, as the Hebrew writer is laying this out, he quotes from this very verse here and laying out his argument about God's discipline and how we have to endure it. We have to endure correction, endure um, discipline from God, correction when we need to be corrected. And he does that because he loves us. Even righteous people can suffer. We have a whole book about that, the book of Job. We see a righteous man and he has to suffer. But there's discipline in that. And the result of Job's suffering is that he was richly blessed after it. And the result in our discipline is that our deepened faith in God. We have a deepening of our faith in God when we withstand that judgment or that or that discipline in the Lord. In verses 13 through 18 here, um, Solomon is writing, and he talks about praising of wisdom. In verse, um, well, this praising of wisdom uh, begins with providing happiness and blessings to those who find it. In verse 13, it says there, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For it is the profit is better than the profit of silver, and it's gained than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths of peace. She is a tree of life for those who take hold of her, and happy are those who hold fast. This idea here of um, praise of, of happiness is profiting more than silver and gold, more than rubies, it mentions there. If you look back in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, If you seek her as silver and search for her as the hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. The idea here of profiting more than gold and silver, these treasures, that's what wisdom is. We understand that seeking out treasure, seeking out riches. Solomon is saying that wisdom is more precious than that, more precious than any of these earthly riches. It provides for a peaceful and a pleasant life. And it provides nourishment, like the, like the tree of life itself. This idea of nourishment coming from wisdom. It feeds us. It gives us what we need to survive. The last part here that we'll look at, beginning in verse 25, is that there's six uh, do-nots that are listed here at the end of the chapter. Beginning here in verse 25. The first one here is, do not be afraid. Verse 25, it says, Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Children of God should not be afraid. Matthew 8 and verse 26, Jesus says, Why are you afraid, you have little faith? That's when uh, the storm is raging. And they call Jesus to, to come and quiet the storm. He chastised them, saying, 
saying, why are you afraid? You have little faith. Do we have the faith necessary to overcome these fearful times? We need to. We need not, to, we need not be afraid when those things befall us. We don't need to hold back good. Look there in verse 27. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. If someone is owed something, don't hold it back from them. Give them what is due. These are life lessons that can be learned here. So wise in their application. Jesus when he was asked about the, the coin with, with uh, Caesar's inscription on it, remember what he says there, to render to Caesar that which is Caesar, and to God that which is to God. Whatever it is that you have due to someone, give that to them. Don't hold it back. And especially, don't hold back what, we're, what, what is due to God. The praise and admiration we are to have for God. But if it's someone who has something that is due, don't hold it back from them. In verse 28, we're not even to delay in holding back something that's due them. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it. When you have it with you. If you have something that's uh, that's due to your neighbor. If you have something that... um, is due back to them, and you have it in your possession, give it to them. Whatever that might be, of a physical nature or of a spiritual nature, whatever it is, don't hold that back. Give it back to them. Don't delay in giving what is owed. Do it now. I gave a message, um, it's been a while back now, about uh, early mornings and saddled donkeys. The idea of getting up early and doing what is required of us, making the necessary preparations, and then getting up early and doing it. Don't delay in doing what is right, and doing what is good. Verse 29 tells us not to plot evil against a neighbor. It says, do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives in security beside you. It reminds us of what was said over in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, talking about those who lie in wait for their own blood, they ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. We have a duty to do right by our neighbor. Not to lay in wait and, and attack them, take the things that they might have. If there's a physical connection, geographical, our neighbor, then that's, that's what that is. We have a duty to do right by them. In a very worldly and very practical application, we look after our neighbor's properties, don't we? They're going on vacation, we might look after their property. That's a neighborly thing to do, and it's expected of people. It should be expected of God's people. If you're living a godly life and, and, and want that to shine through, then you're good to your neighbor. And not plotting evil against him. And then there are those that we share common things with. The neighbor, as described in the the parable of the Good Samaritan, those who we come in contact with. We owe them too. They're in need. We owe them, and we should certainly not plot evil against them, not devise wicked plans against them. Also here in verse 30, it says, Do not argue without a reason. 
Verse 30 says, Do not contend with a man without cause, if he has done you no harm. If he's not done anything to you, why are you contending him? Why are you arguing with someone who's done you no harm? Not being argumentative is a hallmark of a mature Christian. If you think about that, one of the qualifications for an elder is that he's not argumentative. It takes a mature man to be an elder. And a mature man is not argumentative. He's not bringing arguments against someone without cause. Verse 31 here talks about um, um, do not envy violent people. Verse 31, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Reminds us also again back over in chapter 1, verse 15 beginning, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. For their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed blood. Don't be envious of this type of person. You know, the warnings are clear. Those who would practice evil and would do evil against another person, we're to stay clear of those kind of people. We've already seen that this lifestyle, um, uh, that the lifestyle that we should lead is opposite to that. That we're living a righteous life and a truthful life and doing right by people. Practicing those kind of um, things. Practicing good and right things, not devising evil against our neighbor. Verse 32. For the crooked man is an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. So clearly contrasted here in the last few verses between those who are wise, those who seek to be wise, and those who are fools. So as we conclude this section of Proverbs, we have um, more wisdom to come. But these first few chapters here talk about wisdom in this way. First, understanding that wisdom, uh, that wisdom warns. And understanding that there's uh, a pursuit of wisdom that we need to be engaged in. And then here in chapter 3 it tells us that there's benefits from that. There's reward for seeking out wisdom. And it has to do with a righteous life and a, and a happy and a healthy life. Those are the things that God has promised to us for those who seek Him out. If you have concerns in your life, if you have um, not pursued wisdom, if you're not living the, the life that, uh, that God would have you to live, if you're devising evil things against your neighbor, if you're not giving back the, those things that are due him, make those changes necessary in your life so that you're doing right by your neighbor, that you're doing right by your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're not a child of God and, and you would like to be, we can help you in whatever needs you might have. And let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.